What's up, Danny? So I heard you had an amazing trade. <laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, it's been an interesting day. Um, are we waiting on Colby or uh, Tommy? Um, potentially. I guess they'll drop in if they can make it. I hope they can make it. Uh, last yeah. time Colby was at the beach, and but I think Tom should be should be making it. I don't know. We'll see. But feel free to share your trade. Um. Yeah. Let's take a look. So I'm up fifty two hundred on ICCT. Dude, there we go. Um, which is great to see because August has been just so terrible <laughs> i know yeah, it's, funny. it's been my worst can, month in three years i can feel it too and it's it's interesting yeah. well, i just i just made finished the strategy and to take advantage of it but yeah august was like a, literally my equity shot is flat and then today it had a pulse <laughs> yeah flat well flat is thing. flat is not bad a lot of people are having a really yeah. tough month yeah. Yeah. Um, and i'm trying to keep that in mind but today definitely helps it's only worth it if you work for it it's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. Um, <clears throat> so I'm up 5267 on ICCT, which is awesome. Um, huge. Congrats. I forget what I forget what day it was, but I I think I had like just taken a loss or something. I was posting in the Warrior chat, and someone was like, "Is it time to size down?" And I was like, "No, definitely not. I just need to be more selective about what I'm trading." Because like I'm taking bigger losses than I have before, but like I'm making five grand on this. I made, yeah. um, I had a couple good examples. There was JTAI that popped up the other week that uh, I think it was last Monday, right here, popped up, halted up, long, long halt. It was halted for 31 minutes, resumed up here 640 from 480 470 huge gap dipped down popped up a little bit i took almost 3000 shares here at 690 held full position into this halt cuz i was already oh down God. 3 grand on the day how um, did you know how did you know that was a like how did you know to trade that was it the, because of the halt the initial the first halt yeah because i mean it was it was honestly because of the warrior scanners and the chat room Oh, okay. I have a halt scanner that just shows me things that are halted, but other people were calling it out that it had halted and it was showing a big gap up. So I, um, I just took a look at it and whenever something makes a big gap up like this, like two things are going to happen. Yeah. One of two things are going to happen. It's either going to have no strength and just give it all back and halt down because people are taking profit and that profit taking might cause panic selling into a halt down and then it's just dead unless it halt it resumes flat from that and then kind of consolidates and moves higher or that won't happen and you have another big squeeze up because you have people who see that big gap up and you see a little profit taking and shorts try to get in it because it's a big gap up and then they get absolutely blown out um so it held, I took almost 3000 shares. I held the whole position into this halt. So I was unre I was, I was showing like 500 profit from 690 to the halt level here at 708 into that halt. And at one point it was showing like an 880 resumption and 5,000 unrealized for me on that, if it had opened there, but, wow. um, 
It opened up here. I managed to get about 3,300 out of that. So somebody, the reason I'm going over this is somebody the other day had asked about like, is it time to size down? And I was like, definitely not. I just need to be more selective about, about what I'm trading because on the right stuff, when I'm sized up, that's instant three grand. Yeah. Like um, I, I think also is, it goes back to the idea that, you know, you are your equity chart, right? Like sometimes the market, yeah. does, the market does control uh, a little bit of it but you need to be aware of like when you know your your strengths are in play and um sizing up because if you if you constantly just size up with the size with the market like yeah. especially as, i'm talking about like a, as a discretional trader because I, yeah. I think you guys individually as the equity chart i don't think of the trade that you're taking because you are making the decisions all of that so yeah. like yeah you you definitely um you definitely need to be more aware about it. And I, but I can, like I said, I always know when people are scared. I, I completely understand mm -hmm. that. Sizing up is, yeah. is a little thing in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was I going to say? <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just like taking bigger size because I feel like it. Um, I'm doing it hopefully on the right trades and then especially when i get confirmation that i'm on the right stock or the right trades i'm like yeah time to take more size um so my biggest challenge every day is just being careful about the stocks that i'm sizing on um before I get into ICCT I'll go into HKit cuz I'm down 1300 on it and I was down 2300 on it but um it had this pretty much uh nonsensical multiple halts down this morning and it was in this halt down where I was asking like is there any reason anyone sees that it would be halting down multiple times in a row with no stop from 24 down to 16 and everyone's like no um, so I was watching for this potential move to happen because when, whenever you see something and especially because HKit did exactly this the other week before it had a massive squeeze, um, right here, same exact thing happened. No reason for the halts down, massive squeeze back up. Um, so that's exactly what I was watching for and... I missed this. I just wasn't watching the resumption. It opened up. So it, it uh, opened 1650, dipped, halted 1813, opened at just under 21. I mean, wow. um, Crazy. Yeah, I missed this too. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if I, even back in the day, I would never have traded this because like, I, I don't know if I'll take the risk. Like, I, I, I love this stuff. I love this because it's just pretty much psychology at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No but volume, also, oh my God. That that's, that's a baldy trade. I got to say. Yeah. Even with, well, because it, I don't know. I mean, back in the, because I remember that Ross even took a bunch of these trades. Like he, he did well on them. But I remember one trade where he, where he broke his rule and he just kept adding and adding as it went down. That's yeah. Down. You really have to be <laughs> careful. You have to be really careful and disciplined on stuff like this. Cause it can go the wrong way really badly, really fast. Cause you know, it's a $23 stock. What if I had gotten caught in this halt down and I can't sell my, even just a thousand shares until I'm down at 16, you know? Right. Well, so I, if, yeah, you have no, to be no, really yeah. careful about this part of it. Mm -hmm. What were you saying? No, I was going to say that like um, the good thing about halts 
and is, I'm doing, I'm thinking of at some point doing like um, some tests on this is that the, the potential for profit can always outweigh the loss, the potential losses, especially if you're doing on these small caps because they, yeah. because of the percentage, the percentage gains, the idea of how percentages I work. Totally um, agree. That's so, why I took the trade. Yeah, two to five dollars would be a hundred percent. And if it gaps up that high, that's uh if you if it drops, it's only like twenty percent. If you constantly take these halt trades and you're very accurate, you yeah. might actually always be in profit. I don't know. I I need to see what that looks like, but. Um, I wish that there was a better way to tag my trades. I just take I know too many trades. When, like, you, you when know, I used to when I used to trade, I didn't know how to tag. I was like, this is just too because you I mean oh, I could this tag one sometimes. Yeah, I could tag my trades. Um, it's just difficult. Like even today, I have a low number of trades, which is like thirty or forty or fifty or so. Um, yeah. but even then, it's like it's hard to go uh, back yeah. and tag them. Um, I've, but I've I had would, the same thing. Even yeah. like 15, 20 trades will take you an hour to properly tag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, At you least. know, I can't give you statistics on it, but halts, trading halts is one of my best strategies easily. Yeah. Um, it was mine. But, too. I'm pretty sure I was very, very profitable when I was trading halts. It was yeah. like every time I saw a halt, because I, I had a halt scanner too, and I, I always yeah. looked looked at that more than anything wait Lars, can you explain just, your the, it's reading the, the price behind actions the behind the what two to two or what did you mention there but between them being profitable setups oh so so when you go from two dollars to four dollars right that's a hundred percent increase so like if so i've seen stuff halt from two to seven right so if you take that if you take that trade percentage gain is always going to be more than if, if uh, you drop from two to two to you know two to one. So right. what I'm saying, the the structure of the stock market is that long, or even markets in general, especially small caps, like small caps, is that the the price, the potential of gain, especially with these squeezes, is always going to be more than the loss at, at these prices at these price levels. So that's yeah. a that's a another <laughs> thing I you have to think of keep in mind. Um, if, uh, for anyone who trades like large cap and small caps or either as an algo, when you get into these lower price um, stocks, you have to flip your whole mentality a little bit on how to trade them because they don't, they, the, the price structure doesn't even move like large caps. It's a completely new um, yeah. thing in general. Yeah, yeah I, I really like the way you phrase things because it's everything that I know but have never really verbalized before. <laughs> um, so, but so anyways, what you said is exactly why I took this trade. There's so much more upside potential, especially because you have this bottoming out that halted up hard, gapped up hard straight into the next halt. So there's a lot of shorts trapped here. And so I was looking for it to get back to um, this basically 0% on the day, which you know could be a good red to green move that would squeeze higher. So it opened here. Um, I took shares. I got a fill at 2472. I just took a thousand shares, which is not a huge position for me at all. With something this much range, that's a pretty normal starter. Um, it did pop up over 25, but I wasn't able to get any shares out and I had to sell down at basically the bottom here. So I took a $2,300 loss on those thousand shares. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, just like we were saying, it was the right idea to take that trade because a few minutes later it squeezes up. And um, at least on this, 
I took a smaller position. I took 700, but I was able to go from down 2300 on it to down just under 13. So I made a good chunk back at least. Um, but that's the first example. That was my first major trade of the day. Um, I'll say like the, another thing about this. And then is, another thing about that even is that like, Alex, we were saying that we wouldn't take that 15, like that trade from 15 to 20. But like one of those, and then like that's a good example of like it went up to twenty five. Like if you held that, that's you know yeah. that's like seventy five percent gain. The lowest it could have dropped at that point is probably like maybe at worst eight dollars. And that's yeah. like I don't I don't even know if it if that would have been possible. So it's right. it's, it's an idea of like I think I I start to see a little bit of why these high, um high big risk takers you know trade this these halted um stocks. Yeah. Huge potential. Yeah, um, makes sense. So this was ICCT. I initially was not interested in it because it was showing everywhere like 150 million float. Um, but that's incorrect. It had a 33 uh, ratio reverse split. So it's actually only about a 5 million float, which is right in what I like to trade. It halted up uh, pretty much out of the open. I missed that. And then it was kind of choppy. Um, but what it did that I was really interested in is it never broke down and it double topped here at 320, rejected off of that, cooled down, came back down to VWAP under the EMAs. So it's looking not great on the day down here, but you're going to have some shorts in here that if it starts creeping back up over three, especially, they might be underwater. And so you had a pretty nice ascending support trend line here. And I was calling this out. Um, it looks like a wedge for one, just a pretty normal wedge, but it's also an ascending triangle, which is one of my favorite patterns. Um, ascending trial, triangle, descending triangle, typically they'll break the flat side. Um, and that's exactly what happened here when it basically said it's not breaking down. As soon as it started creeping back up here, I got in this candle pretty big size. I don't remember. Actually, not really that big. I think it was like 2,500, 3,000 maybe. But that was a 40 cent candle. <laughs> um, so I went from down 1,000 on the day after where I was on HKIT straight up to like down 200 yeah. on the day. Wow, it's nice. And then that was crazy. What was that? I said the upside potential for these times. Yeah. Crazy because even you take well, such risk on that, um, and this this goes back to that um, idea of the simulation that I, I I sent you guys, which we could talk about later. Yeah, yeah it's, get into it's that figuring out sure. figuring out upside where upside potential lies and where the crux of risk yeah. versus reward. Because the problem I found now that I'm noticing is that why are there so so disparate? Why are there such disparate um, um, high earning traders and then traders who have been trading very consistently, but still only make a little bit yeah. very consistent. And it makes, it's just what I'm looking at is just risk. It's like both of them were mm -hmm. just so fine with taking different qualities of risk that, but the other yeah. person who's taking less risk and more consistent doesn't even know that they could be taking the other person's risk even by just a little bit and potentially doing as it's, well. It's a, uh, it's yeah. And I, I think we should definitely talk about your uh, equity percentages how you mapped that out too because that's yeah. really interesting and it goes along perfectly with um one of the things that i understood probably for the first time in my career earlier this year was 
like exponential bet sizing, which Lance Breitstein talks about a lot. And so I've really tried working on that this year. And so like, this is the first A plus setup I've seen in a long time. Um, it, it matches it everything that I'd look for, yeah. including price action. Uh, it's failing to break down. It was soaking here, getting bought up. So you squeeze. What I really liked at this point was that it squeezed. It didn't break through. It, it actually did break and reject 350 at first, but it still didn't even ever touch the 90MA until this candle where it launched 50 cents higher. Mm -hmm. And I was in this with bigger size. So I went from up 300 on it to up a thousand on it in this. And then I went to up 2000 on it in this candle. And then again, it did the same thing. It was pretty extended at this point. Um, that was on the five minute that was back here. So it was holding it about into those? What was that? You market audit into those? Yeah, mostly because I'm on TD, which is uh commission free. So I don't have like, if I punched it for, and even using DOS, if I punched it for by the ask plus two cents, I'm going to be pissed if that skips my order. Mm. So I would rather just get my order filled. But most of the time I was buying when it would dip like this, because I was also recognizing. And at this point, the spread still was opening up to like 10 or 12 cents, which on a yeah. $4 stock is not that small. So I was usually buying when it would dip and that would get me a really nice entry to hang on to. Um, and then, so it made that nice move. It was super extended on the five minutes here because 90MA on five minute was down at like 340, 60 cents lower. So mm -hmm. at this point, I was like, made a nice gain on that. I'm solidly green on the day. Going to give it a second, let it consolidate, see what it wants to do from there. It popped right back up a few minutes later. Um, I think that I got this candle. Actually, what I can do is... I love my DOS charts. Yeah, the DOS charts, but they, they show the entries so much better. In they sh yeah, it's so nice. Um, <laughs> so we can just look at exactly what I traded. DOS looks like, um, yeah, like, I mean, broker, like I coded. Yep. <laughs> coded it so, so I took that break really pretty much on a good entry there, kind of against the descending resistance mm -hmm. line going That's across nice. there. Almost always, I'm just taking profit into these breaks. If it holds up, I can add like here, but then I'll take profit on the break. And then it held here too. So I took profit or I added, took profit, bought the dip, took profit. I just want to um, say this looks like a high frequency. If you've looked at um, a high frequency <laughs> order coming going in, this is literally what it looks like. Buy the dip, sell the top, buy the dip, sell the yeah. top, buy the dip, sell the top as it's yeah. going Funny. Well, but also one thing you'll notice is I don't really take a starter. Like I'm going to just take my position so that yeah. I can scale out effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're you're more like there are different ways you can always structure your strategy. And we can go into that because I've, I've actually been, you know, we're working on a high frequency. Um, we're working on a high frequency thing right now. Um, well, I'm working. Yeah. I, say, I always say we, but like it's, it's always, always just me. But um, yeah. <laughs> but um. We are, I'm, I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking of doing stuff like this. And, you know, the problem is, is, you know, you get to see the tick data, you get to see the order book, um, paying for order book data and tick data is expensive. Um, yeah. I don't even know how historically I can get this data, but it's just, it's interesting to see you do it. Cause it's like, okay, 
So this is what I need to just copy uh, and figure out. Um, I think at some point I have to do like an interview with someone who does this so that I can like. Uh, ICCT just got halted for news pending. Uh -oh. T12. Oh. Yeah, I'm still um, in my EDTX halt for almost two months now, or yeah, a month that and a half. That's well. Yes. Let me let me quickly just recap the rest of it, and then we can yeah, move on. So. I would love to know what you were doing around like eleven five and stuff, eleven ten. Right here. Yeah. yeah this, so this it gets intense. This is where this is where it started to really go parabolic. Max and I, one of my one of my friends, Max in the Warrior Chat, he he does awesome. He trades big size, but he was up like twenty three grand on this today. Um, this is where it broke this level. And we both said, like this pink bit, this pink line here is the upper view op deviation. And we were like, you know, it's it's had a nice move so far, but it really hasn't gone parabolic yet. I got this nice entry scaled out. This is where it really started to go. Mm -hmm. And this is where I went from 2000 to three to four to five in a how matter you, of how are you scaling out on those? Are you what so are you nice. like is it 25%? Um, Percentage? No, I am holding until I start to feel like it's heavy. <laughs> um, I don't pay attention to percentage or how many cents I'm up. I'm just watching the price action yeah, and price action. like, which is how I used to do it too. But I'm trying yeah. to figure out how, how much are you scaling out per? Oh, oh, of my position. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have hotkeys set up to sell third. A third, so 20. Okay, so like 30, yeah. 40, 35. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I I, uh, I I had that at a quarter originally, but I found that that just got me out like really pretty slowly. And sometimes the move had kind of like retraced a little too much by the time I was getting most of my shares out. So um, I'm scaling out probably this one at this level at a five, at a whole dollar was an order to sell just under the ask limit order and then this stuff when it's just popping and flying i'll do a combination of yeah, yeah if yeah. it's moving hard i'll sell under the ask if it's kind of chopping around i'll just take profit with a market um but like it moved up here sold 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 added for the 550 break sold through it got back over 550 held sold through it and then um one of my major issues that I've been having um, mostly earlier in August was catching a move and then giving a lot of profit back. So what I'm really happy about on this one is had a really nice trade here. That was like another thousand. And then I was holding like just a hundred or 200 shares at this point because I was waiting like we still hadn't had a rejection yet. And so we finally get a real rejection and I sold the rest, bought the dip just a little bit, sold small pop and stopped trading it yeah. until, oh, until it started holding this trend line because it bottoms here, pops up, didn't trade that, bottoms here. So now we have a trend to work with. And I took a few trades off that trend line, took a couple trades through this, and now we're T12 halted. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, um 250% on the day. So we'll see what the news is. My god. I this yeah, this is why you stop trading these. Um <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean <laughs> um actually it's a T1 halt. 
So uh, it's not news pending. It is the exchange requested the company to respond to the price action on the stock, basically. So anyways, that's my recap on ICCT. Really nice to hit a really solid win, finally. Um, yeah. But again, it just goes along with like everything I've been working on, which is sizing up on the right stuff and just trying to be okay with it when I take some bigger losses than maybe I'm used to. But then, you know, on the right move, this happens too. It's really a different going into a different league. It's really nice. You know, it's like when you're when you're doing those like, you know, 50 to $200 days, and then you have your first five or a thousand dollar day, you know, and then like that, yeah. the new norm. That's, that's nice to see those numbers. I'm happy for you. It, it, it sure is. <laughs> um, I mean, even it, last year was a nightmare for me. I had trouble every day getting past like a hundred, 200 on the day. Mm -hmm. um, and it was mostly just due to issues with sizing being that I, was taking mostly the same size on everything and not necessarily the best setups. Um, and it was just a choppy market that I wasn't really reading that well. Um, so nice to be making some refinements to what I've been doing. Yeah, Everything looks, everything looks really uh, clean on how you're doing. I mean, I, I don't ever anticipate, I don't anticipate myself doing anything that high frequency until, um, well, I pay for tick data. Uh, so we, yeah. we, we, we still hold for, we hold like even the high frequency thing that I'm working on right now, I think the average hold time was like five minutes, um, maybe, but it can, it exits at like one to two to three minutes too, but, um, doing stuff like that <laughs> and, I, and don't get me wrong, everything works, right? I think the, the cool thing about that is just, um, very capital efficient, uh, but I don't know how capital efficient it is if you're going in and out that frequently too. It's like, well, yeah, technically you have capital well, in a second, but it's gone. I know. Yeah, like, well, the thing is, like, yeah, it would have been awesome if I had held a bigger position from down here because it was a strong break on a high quality setup and then taken profit up here when it really found resistance and then mm -hmm. done the same thing. In a but perfect world. <laughs> in a perfect world and in the right market, like 2020, yeah. summer 2020, sure. Well, he used to do that. Yeah, he used to take, yeah. he used to trade he used to hold a big position and then trade it in as as it was going hold a, and yeah hold like, four and yeah and now that i think about it like that's look it's it's a good way to like um even though they're correlated it's a good way to reduce correlation or to play play yeah reduce correlation because you're because each trade in the inside that the bigger trade is individual and then if they yeah. all do at the end of the day you you know because how many times have you traded something going up and still lost money imagine imagine oh, yeah. if you Held in the bottom there and then and not and that out. often anymore luckily but yeah sure every now and then i'm red on something that went up hard and that sucks but yeah when you do that when you're able to do that it's two different things going on you're you're holding basically an intraday swing while you're day trading it um yeah. but like the thing is when's the last time we saw something this high quality um so you have to be realistic and responsible at the same time and be taking profit because this is not the norm right now. Um, if we start to see more of this happen, I'd be more confident to hold. But I was looking at my stats for specifically for August, my typical 
average hold time and average both winning and losing trades is about 30 seconds. So, uh, oh, it's interesting. When you hover over this, it shows you the exact time. So average hold time on my wins on this one today specifically were a minute and 16 seconds. And average on average losers today were 13 seconds. So with something that was showing me that it was having really good upward potential, I was holding it five times longer than my losses. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to see what I'm missing. It really is the take data because I can't, you can see yeah. in those 15 seconds why this thing yeah. might not work. Whereas yeah, exactly. I, can't, I can't really see that and I don't have the order book to even place any idea. And that's, I mean, yeah. obviously all, like Citadel is in the order books, like they do all of that. Uh, the thing is, I don't know how to simulate that, but but it's good to know. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to be a high frequency firm, uh, but I well, I've but been... like you want to emulate what they're doing. It's it's yeah. just with everything. Like you want to emulate what the top is doing. Mm-hmm. And you uh, for me, it's also you want to. I want to be as as um, as flexible as possible in all my strategies because every strategy makes money differently. Like this strategy can. Yeah make a lot of money it might have a, a liquidity issues down the road but it can make a lot of money very consistently um mm-hmm. whereas you know some of these strategies that if you if you have a swing track strategy you can enter you can have you know 10 million dollar positions um and and be able to to still close them with you know slippage that wouldn't kill your you know each trade so yeah it's it's, it's really just flexibility that i'm thinking on um and i really want to do more high frequency stuff because i see the more consistency um right on a consistent basis yeah i'm trying to upload the rest of my trades because i i know i took some more trades on it after this upload um but the last thing i wanted to touch on is 73 percent accuracy trading this stock and i know that that's how well i can do when something's moving right mm. and that is what i should be waiting to trade I don't know about waiting to trade. I think taking more because your 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 win rate is always going to change. Um, so, like someone said this in the podcast, your win rate is also it's a, an, a chart. It goes from zero to to ninety, and it can it can really regulate over a period. Like you could have five trades that are ninety, five trades that are you know thirty, and I think the idea is that you need to keep it as you need to keep it around that general average range but yeah you find days like this where you find something that is a 70 and that is when you should size up which you did yeah. and that's when you perform better so yeah. that's how you really need to think about it i feel like i'm giving out all the, the ways to 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 make an algo <laughs> if anyone who's listening this is making an algo listen <laughs> listen in. yeah and try to try to learn from this because I, I mean that's how you should really think about it even on, even on a discretionary end like when you look at your data I think that's how you should think like hey this is what my data is actually telling me um, I shouldn't just think this is special because it's um, yeah my my better days are also over seventy percent and then my bad days are like thirty or something my average is around sixty seven actually um, there's a really good question we had last podcast. Um, and oh, yeah, this is exactly similar. Let me share my screen quickly. Um, yeah. So everyone could give their feedback here. I already gave a little bit of an answer, but this person, Guns, 
Emperor. I'm not even sure legit hit. <laughs> there we go. Uh -huh. uh, they were wondering why is there a lot of uh, profitable traders here on YouTube that use one to one risk reward despite the typical saying that you should at least have one to two, one to three risk reward. I now have a I'm now having a dilemma whether to stick to my one to three or switch to one to one, knowing my win rate would increase and also I'll be more profitable daily on the latter. Uh -huh. Now this is something we talk about all the time. I already kind of hinted at this a little bit. In the answer, I said a higher R, R, um, risk reward is often the goal, and it's better to start to improve your uh, win rate. It's a, it's a better stat to improve than your win rate. Uh, Danny, for example, has the best risk reward, and he's also the most profitable in the pod. And I have a lower risk reward. Um, I'm more close to like one to one, um, but I have a much higher win rate than uh, Danny. I think I'm on average, a little bit higher because you said you were getting close to like sometimes even 50% on a lot of days. But you're I'll still... even be below 50 on some days. Yeah, that's um, what you're telling me. So, yeah. for, so I was basically just saying getting profitable first, any means possible is probably step number one. And then improving from there, step number two, which typically means improve your risk reward over improving your win rate because a win rate really doesn't mean anything. Like, if you know everyone's green for a second on a trade often what are you going to do are you just going to quickly close it to improve your win rate that doesn't really make right. much sense you want to hold your winners longer and cut your losers quicker so you want to focus on the r to r um well i i can i can talk on this because i have strategies that do everything right i have strategies that have an 80 percent win rate and i have strategies that have a 50 percent win rate um um let me so it's very interesting and this is why i always still go with the everything works um, so I've been looking into this thing called grid trading. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, right? Um, I think Alex, we talked about the whole Martingale style trading, uh, where, you know, you double the risk, but that's not what I'm talking about. This is more, a, a more systematic way. Uh, by the way, grid trading has been around since the stock market has been around. It's just something saying, that we- Are you saying grid trading? Grid yeah, trading. grid trading. You can look it up and maybe pull up an image mm -hmm. of like what a chart would look like. But essentially the idea is that, uh, you have different grids, different points of the, of the chart where you keep adding um, positions until the chart reverts back. And then you, you take your profit and um, when it reverts back to like either an um, uh, average, actually there's a lot of ways to do grid trading. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get into it because there's so many different ways you can, you can do the idea. But the idea is that you're adding and adding or, or putting trades at multiple grids to end up with a profit when price reverts back at some point. Right, it's, uh -huh. it's and very, that's different than the Martingale strategy. It's which different is because you're not doubling. You're not doubling your risk. So sometimes you're uh -huh. increasing risk. It's, it depends. You can play with it, right? There's a guy on YouTube. You can look him up. His name is, um, I think it's. Let me let me look up. Give me one second. I guess I have him here. Um, <clears throat> his name is Ryan Brown. Ryan Brown. He does grid trading on YouTube. Um, he does. He's doing it for the last. He's been he's been eight years. He's been trading for eight years. I think his last three years, four years, he's been profitable. And he has multiple grid trading strategies. Um, you can pull it up um, if you want to see if you want to see kind of what that looks like. Um, so it's it's it kind of looks like this. He's not actually buying two lots, four lots. His his strategies are a little bit more intricate. But the reason why I bring this up is that this has a ninety something percent win rate. Actually, if you look at the equity chart, it's just a straight line. Like he has exponential sizing on the way down. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily exponential because some trades he just goes with like win. It depends. You can structure it, right? Remember, you have to, you can play with how you want to do it. Sometimes he does the same 
like size one one lot one lot and then two lot here like it'll double it after three three trades whatever but the idea is that this is what it look it can look like right <clears throat> this is martingale but it, it can also can look like this degree trading but the the idea for that is that you're taking very small profits right but you're keeping um a high win rate and that is just the structure of everything no matter how you do it whether you do it grid trading whether you do it long um you do it in a different way like i do where you're getting 80 percent win rate because you're just trying to take small profits at a time um it, it's i don't you said you like you just said is it better to improve it's better to improve your rr versus your win rate i don't know if that's true because even one will give you a new structure, a new chart structure, right? The 100% win rate, 95% win rate gives you a straight line. It gives you closer to what Danny has, right? Um, versus if you're having, if you're doing a, you know, a one to a one to three risk risk, you're going to have a very, um, either maybe depending on where your stop is, you can have a, a wobbly chart or, um, or, I mean, depends on what you're trading. If you're trading, and it also depends on the instrument you're trading. So if you're trading something that trends really well, then yeah, that one to three might work. If you're on a time frame that is very noisy, like the one minute time frame, um, and you're trading just mean reversion, then actually a grid trading might work because you're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, you know, over, I guess, over a certain period of time, you might have a huge drawdown. Like he 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 had a 15% drawdown, 17% drawdown, but it takes him like two, three months to recover that. And which is a lot, but... You have to understand he's making money every single day. And he has an account where he he does grid trading, like a thousand dollar account where he does grid trading and it's just a straight line up. And he's doing that just to just essentially make as much profit off of that account. And then he'll take out the profits and um he'll take out the profits and just let the account run with with, with however much money left. Essentially at that point, he's just he's just having a simulator play with money. And just make create as much money as he wants. So I think the, the and there's also another guy on YouTube who did like a Martingale thing where he did a thousand bots, a thousand bots that did Martingale strategy, and a couple of them finished and didn't blow up, and they made twenty one million over a certain amount of trades. So if you really think about it, right, the idea is that risk, risk, we we induce a sense of risk that we can't lose everything. Like we want to keep everything as much as possible. So, you know, we do we do that one to three strategy or something that doesn't have a high win rate because, you know, there's a huge chance of it just losing everything because the structure of high win rate strategies is that they lose. Like, for example, um, Madaz, he has a 90% win rate. It's funny because if you actually watch him trade, he actually puts lines just like a grid trading. He actually, I've watched him trade. It's, it's damn near grid trading, but in a discretional sense. And it actually makes sense because if you look at his equity chart, it looks like a grid trading equity chart. So the idea, the idea of the answer to that question is that it doesn't matter. It matters on what structure of a chart that you want. If you want something that's a little bit more fluid, yeah, maybe get with get a, a one to two to three, you know, because those big wins are going to offset your time when you're flat. And then you know, because I can show you my um, our new breakdown strategy, which is a trend trading strategy. It literally is flat bump, flat bump. Because it's just waiting for trends. Because every other movement doesn't really give it enough money to to for it to make a movement on the chart. So so yeah, I guess that's that's the answer. It's, it's really depends on what you feel comfortable with. the 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 best way to do that is to have a a portfolio of all of those. You wanna and I'll be honest. We we like to say like for example we like to say like Danny has his own strategy of trading. 
But really, Danny is incorporating multiple strategies while he's trading, right? He's buying the dips of stuff that is that has just gone up 100%. And he's also buying breakouts if it's going up. Like he's incorporating different ideas to create a smoother equity curve. And that's why it's very hard for me to, when you say, you know, it's very hard to tag your stuff. It's because you are essentially more, I, um, um, you're essentially creating and, and just regurgitating different ideas that you've had in real time. So you don't even know what, quote unquote strategy is, but you know, when you buy that breakout, you know what you're doing because you know what this type of situation is going to involve versus when you buy that dip on a stock that just went up hundred percent, you know what, you know, that looks like, especially if you're just like milking the range. Um, right. like, you know. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a different way to think about it. I, I don't think it's always as linear as saying one way would work better than the other, because like I said, that guy who's been doing great trading, he makes money almost every single month, actually every single day. He doesn't lose. He like has a 90% win rate. And you can see his equity charts. It's, it's pretty good. And he's never had a blown up account for yeah. the last three years. I, everyone's going to have to find it for themselves. Uh, to me, <laughs> it was more important at first getting a higher win rate. So, because that was building confidence. But I think right now, if I want to take my <clears throat> equity curve to the next level, I need to actually focus on my risk reward as opposed yeah. to my win rate. Um, but that's also every trading style is going to be different. Uh, I think these volatile small caps on the one minute, uh, you know, you can put yourself in some really big holes. I think if you're doing grid trading, uh, like averaging down into a loser consistently is, I think, a recipe for. for well, it's not, so it's not consistently. He, so that's what I'm saying. The accounts are actually limited based off like he has a draw a stop loss based off percentage of the accounts. Um, so it's, he's not, he's not just, he's not just creating a straight line. Like he, he does have losses on the account. It, let me explain. So it's essentially the same thing as my equity charts that I showed you guys, all those drawdowns. Like when I, when you see that one drawdown, he just has one of those. He doesn't have like multiple drawdowns. He just has one or two, but they, they account to like, he, I think he says he put a, puts a limit of 15% on each account. So like, if he loses that much, he will stop it and start a new, a new trading sequence. Right. So so it's never so there's no like I, I have this issue with people whenever they think, oh, you can lose all your money because it's like, let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. When are you ever going to put yourself in a situation to lose all the money? Even you know that at, the, at that point on your account, you stop something from happening It's creating risk parameters that make sense for you, because I don't think and like I said, grid trading is not something you can do discretionarily really well. I think you, it's better to, to automate it um, because I think emotions can get into play, especially if you're like, I really want this to work. Let me just add yeah, another, that for sure. another doubled, you know, at the bottom. That's not, I think that's where humans fall. But I think, you know, this guy has one of his strategies. He's, he has 24,000 trades um, on one, uh, on the EU Forex. Forex pairs, by the way, are very mean reverting. They go up and down. Um, so it works really well for him. And so I, I, I think, yes, humans, fluidity works better. Computers, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's not really a... I thought so yeah maybe no. the risk reward is better as for humans but i don't know some people i i don't know if, how you feel about like like for example if if you have to wait every time for a two to one on a like a large cap i i don't know i don't know if i would i could wait for that and still stomach like staying in the trade because yeah. i know alex you were doing that for a little bit right um 
Yeah, I know when I hold too long on if it's a large cap or a small caps, they uh, it tends to go south really quickly. I mean, when I, when I first started trading small caps, I'd be up so many times, like five percent, and then I'd close for a loss. And you do that, you know, a couple times in a row, and you're you're about to throw your laptop out the window. So I feel like with with small caps specifically, doing exactly what Danny was doing, taking those base hits, you know. Uh, yeah. It pops up, take that 3% off the table, rebuy, and you're just constantly doing that because otherwise, you know, in hindsight, it's so easy to look at ICCT and be like, yeah, I should have just held. I would have been up, you know, on 30% in one trade or 100% in one trade if I just, you know, 30 minutes held it. But like, you, there's another 20 stocks that you're just going to bleed to death go. on. So it's, it's that's, a, that's the problem with the, no go. That's the problem with every strategy. You have to structure it to just make sense for like the all your your risk reward ratio like i i don't time, can't, yeah. you can't even do some of these strategies like the grid trading you can't really do it in a trending market because it might never revert and you might just keep having huge drawdowns um that's why you have to do all your Good back point. tests and just make sure you have your because like like for example i have strategies that that i test on one market it doesn't even do the same thing at all in the other market i have to know okay well this market is just not for it yeah. um trying to trying to create something that works on everything is damn near impossible um <laughs> yeah. it's that it's especially if you're going to like small cap and then large cap i mean you might as well just try to speak chinese and and malay <laughs> and, and french at the same time <laughs> like you you're not yeah, trying to do the same thing it's not gonna work toby do you have any thoughts on risk reward or uh win rate in terms of where you are are at in your trading career and what works better <clears throat> i I don't focus too much on the reward part. Um, I really focus on the risk. I, I I think that I probably trade more similar to like Danny, where if it's going against you, I, my my stop loss is pretty much as tight as I can make it. Yeah. And um, if it's going, I'll let it run as long as I can. And so I'm trying to if it if it goes against me even a penny, I'll get out because I know I can get get yeah. right back in. I'm on TOS, so. I'm going to make yeah. that 200 trades in a day. It's no problem. And that's Wait, kind of you? part of my strategy is I'm going to get in and out as many times as I want. Maybe I stab too many times. And, you know, that's where I get on a slippery slope of over trading a little bit during a day. But I'm going to get in and out as many times as I want to try to position myself to the place I want to be in to take that trade. And if it goes against me two or three cents, that's no problem. I'm out of the trade. And yeah. then I'm going to hop right back in if it drops another six cents and try to hold that position if it's if that's where i want to be or i think that's where i should be for the for the uh the reward side of that trade so toby how do you deal with like slippage in that because if like if you're constantly i'm just asking this because i'm it's one of the things that we have um like if you're constantly exiting exiting trades right uh, at the lows if they are not lows but like wherever you think you should stop uh because it's coming back at you and you you have to sell at the bid do you is that does that like eat into your trades if you do that a lot because i've seen i think you took like one time like over 100 and something trades a, a day and um and I, I was just thinking oh did slippage kill him on that or well <laughs> i can i can take you know 300 trades in a day that's, yeah i've seen that's not even uncommon so yeah uh, I mean, if I took 150 trades, that's kind of a low trading day for me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about other brokers, but with TOS, I mm. for the size that I trade, I don't find a big problem with slippage. And okay. um, like 
I try not to trade like HKIT or whatever Danny was trading where it was pretty low volume. I was probably pretty spready too. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't trade those kind of stocks too often. So I don't get caught with, you know, if I have 1500 shares, I don't get caught with slippage trying to get, get rid of my position. I'm usually able to get it, get rid of it within one or two cents of where I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm curious to see because I'm dealing with like I, I have to account for slippage any at all completely because I don't know what the order book looks like. Um, I'm curious to see like throughout all your th trades, right? Would you have done better if like because you're taking so many trades, the transaction that you if you buy the ask and sell at the bid, buy the ask sell at the bid. Does that in, in, into your profits? Is that like ten dollars here, ten dollars here, ten dollars here, ten dollars here? Um, because that's why I found because I literally I think we we changed the slippage from like one cent, um, and like one cent on the this is market order and so buy and sell so it's like two, um, two slippages so it it went from being profitable seven grand without slippage to being negative eight thousand dollars when you just add one cent slippage on on a twenty dollar stock this was an Apple back in twenty fifteen so oh. it was just it's just so it's, it's and I mean, this is something that you see in a lot of algo people. You add that one or two cents of slippage and it can completely into, in, into your profit over a period of time, especially if you're taking a lot of trades. It's kind of one of those weird char characteristics of having a free broker. Like <laughs> I'll get, honestly, I'll sometimes enter a trade and get a way, way better position than I should have had. Like Yeah, that happens too. Four or five yeah. cents, or I'm like, it never. The oh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It happens to us too. It happens to us live too. But I'm saying in the back test, I have to account for it no matter what. So maybe yeah. that is, maybe in the, because of the back test, I have to account for it that in the live, because that's why I say, I don't know what the order books look like. I don't know when I'm taking that trade if the ask is here or if it's really close. Okay, yeah. yeah, I just have to add yeah, that. that makes sense. And, you know, like, if, if I'm trading something and you know the the ask drops, the bids drop down, you know okay. like fifteen cents, then I have to you know I have to make a hard decision. Do I want to dump all my shares at that point, or do I want to try to hold it and let it climb back up a little bit? But honestly, with TOS, like because they kind of match up orders, you don't run into yeah. a ton of slip. But yeah. I mean that's my my case because I don't usually trade more than you know three thousand shares at a time. I'm starting now to run into issues with a little bit of slippage when I send an order for like 3000 or more shares. It depends on the stock. It depends on the volume. But um, if I'm trying to send an order that big, three, four, five thousand shares, it needs to have the volume to support it. And I'm starting to find it'll fill my order in like five or ten chunks mm. around the price, which is usually Ooh. fine. But um i am conscious of that depending on the volume on the stocks that i'm trading and how much i can take in in one order yeah i can i can like i can account for volume but like i remember one trade we had a day where I, I this person exited i guess someone must have exited right before my trade and he he brought the stock down um he, he sold like a she sold like a twenty-five thousand uh, dollars share position on um X on Exxon Mobil. He brought it down like fifteen cents that second in one second, and I had to. I, I and I, I sold after him. I saw the slippage and thing. I was like, wait, how does that? How did it get twenty cents slippage? So I had to go through um to figure out what happened 
Um, because I, I guess that was not necessarily slippage. That's just delay order. But even then, he off he 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 can he can mess up the order book because now there are not going to be as many orders down there because people are, I think you know high frequency firms they they don't they try to deal with those situations differently. That's why sometimes if you look at if you look at this large cap, sometimes you see that the the order book dries out, which is weird because they're not they're supposed to fulfill these orders, but they're you know they're accounting for it in their in their strategies. But yeah, slippage is a thing in itself. I I feel like I don't know because I've randomized my slippage to see what it looks like. And yeah, it looks pretty, but not as good as if there was no slippage. So that's why I'm curious on what you guys look like. Because yes, you say, okay, I get the good orders sometimes, but what about the times where you get the bad orders? Like if I randomize that, is that is that actually constantly uh, like the hotkey where you just buy that? I don't know, buy the buy the bid, and then it just so happens the bid popped up that one second before it drops. Yeah, I've and you just get screwed. Fair it happens. It yeah. does happen. Yeah. You guys use um, stop orders. That's not, that's not slippage. No. no, it's technically not slippage. Yeah, you just—it's just the volatile order book, and then yeah, if, if it's if the ladder is like this, and sometimes you punch if, it. If I start to notice that that might be happening though, and that actually was happening a little bit on ICCT today, was the bid would pop up, and then it would pop back down ten cents. And if you had put your order to buy the bid at the wrong timing, you get kind of screwed. So instead of doing that, I would just put my order out to buy where I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys don't use um, any buy stop orders? Or... No. Uh, buy stop orders like dips below gets you in. No, no, no. That's buy limit orders. I'm saying buy stop orders triggers triggers it triggers a market order when it breaks out. Oh. oh no, definitely not. When it breaks out, no. Like if, have, like I've I put a price. Like you're trying that. Huh? I haven't done it yet, but I've been. Contemplating. Yeah, you know what? So the only, so our our breakout strategy, right? Our trending strategy does not work well if I use a limit order, because when the price comes down, every like over a long period of trades, when the price comes down, it's already coming down. Like even if it just needs to touch it by one cent, it's already for some reason coming down. But when it keeps breaking out, and I think the reason for that is because you can't really time when um, stock is always going to come back down and you know to a price where you want to buy it so so i have to use buy stop orders for those uh for it to work really mm -hmm. well so that's yeah. why i was curious what you guys do because you, you i mean it kind of makes sense though because you guys market order into your strategies right so into your trades so market order is pretty much what i do with the buy stop orders so you're just triggering it mm -hmm. manually versus having to put something up there just to like okay if it breaks 320 it just, i just want you to get in no matter what so the thing for me is that's kind of the opposite of my strategy, because especially in this market, we see too many false breakouts for me to feel like that makes sense for me. Definitely. So um, I'll buy the dip and I'll sell into that break. And if it holds that break, then I'll get back in. Gotcha. Well, I guess, I guess another thing is that we do trade on a higher time frame. So maybe that's another reason because you're, yeah. you're in that quick dip and then just that's true. So you're the reason it keeps coming yep. back down. It's really the market we're in. I, I like, yeah. uh, I totally agree with Danny. Like there's times where if it breaks out, I'll buy more often. That'll be turned into like my bread and butter, like the meat of my strategy. But right now, if there's a pop and I buy into it more times than not, I'll be red right away. And I close for a red trade. Like I need to be sizing before the breakout usually right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it depends on the market. I think depends like 
2020, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because um, odds greatly are in favor of that pop holding and then going higher. But right now, it's just not the case. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, do you want to, uh, Alex, do you want to go through to the, the simulation chart? Yeah, well, I was actually just about yeah. to ask you if you want to pull up the, the screenshots you sent us. Well, I don't, yeah, I can't. That was really cool to see. I don't see. know what, what I'm going to be sharing on my screen. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, no worries. Okay, then I will open them. Just give me a second. Yeah, because I that was really cool to see. And, and like I said earlier, a lot of the things that you share, the charts, the the way that you phrase things with probabilities and percentages and all of that is how I've internalized my trading at this point, yeah. but haven't consciously like verbalized. Verbalize it. No, I completely agree. You know, I think one of the reasons I did went to algo stuff was also because I hate that I had ideas and I couldn't put yeah. it in like i couldn't test it i couldn't know what it, it would actually look like now now yeah. i can literally test anything like it's not even a it's just a question of do i care to code you know code the, the situation right. but the, the yeah. fun thing is i didn't have to code this this was chat gpt i just asked it <laughs> chat so, is absolutely amazing <laughs> that's super cool no i tell you i use it well, for everything People how how much stock do you put in the complete accuracy of this then Oh no, it's it's not. I, I could I could run the simulation. I've already run it on my. I already ran the the test. I just wanted to. I just wanted the idea. It said the idea, and then okay. I ran it. On ah. my, yeah. So okay. I, I I ran it with my strategy live. Okay. So my live strategy that's already. So I'll explain to you the the foundings of that and what we are doing for the next month. Yeah, we're yeah. Launching. We're cool. launching in the next. I think two weeks probably. Once I get the. Cool infrastructure created i'm interested here too like after we talk about this i'm interested to hear about um like at what point do you start telling your algos to take bigger size as you're finding consistent results exactly so so yeah if you can go back to the to the images we can go through um some of the ideas for it um so if you look at so this is the first uh, no the 20k so this was the first idea i was on i was just thinking because i'm i'm sizing i'm about to size up or i'm about to size in because i just created a new strategy right and I wanted to look at the, um, actually look at the 20K version. And I was, I was, at first I was just thinking, what is it, if, is it better for me to tell my strategy, hey, this is your new account balance, or should I just increase the risk on the strategy? The thing is generally when you increase the risk on a strategy, right? What happens is it actually distorts the strategy because it's using a certain, a new amount of the equity curve. Essentially what it can do is it can make it more steep, more steep, right? Um, and it makes it, that's the exponential sizing thing that, um, especially exponential bet sizing that uh, Lance Bryanstein is talking about. When you bet yeah. more based on your account percentage wise, you actually increase the steepness of your equity curve. And you can see that from uh-huh. the down there. But when, what my, my curiosity was like, when does that happen that I actually beat the account that I, I have? And so I just wanted to see a simulation of a 60% win rate trade, you know, basic idea. Um, and to see when when will it actually catch up? And I was like, 400 trades in in you know in the first 20k. If you're using a 20k with just 1.5 and 30k with one, and I was like, oh, it, it catches okay, up pretty happens. quickly. Yeah, it catches up really quickly. And I and I test. Let me tell you, I tested this on one strategy. <laughs> I tested this on one strategy, and I did this with. Well, let's talk about the 2k first. So that 2k. I wanted to see, okay, what is it if 3% risk? I mean, 3% is not that much. It's like 60 bucks per trade at that 2K level. And it goes like mad. So 
here's well, what it makes sense because like you're comparing three percent to 1.5 percent which doesn't sound yeah. like much but it's double the position it's double but the thing is that you would not understand how exponential it increases comparative to the other account like well, the exponent guess, is is two it's is square. Account. yeah is the square yeah is the square of the of the equity right it's a it's right. a square yeah of the equity so the risk sorry the square of the risk so I, the idea was that I obviously we always have these thoughts, but we never put it on on a chart. And I wanted to like see what it would look like on a chart. It's funny because I could have just done this on myself, but I was talking to ChatGPT one day and I was just like, okay, well, let's try some ideas. <laughs> just hanging out, I, talking with ChatGPT. I have I've a, had many nights like that. <laughs> I have a I have a talking thing. I have a talk to chat that I do, so I, I can literally <laughs> just, I talk. I literally just talk, and it is right slow. Oh, that's yeah. cool though. That's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, funny that that starts to get into some weird sci-fi stuff but i know i know but it, it it's it's because i can't tie, i don't want to type it's just like have having, you have you done the turing test on it yet i i don't care i mean it, it will probably pass I, i'm pretty sure people will already it's getting also if yeah. you use it frequently enough you notice it keeps getting better um yeah very yeah but anyway so if you look at the 2000 right and the reason why i thought about this was also well i thought about this before i found the grid before i went back to the grid trading guy because I knew he said something about the account where he had a thousand dollar account that he was just growing. And what he does is that he said that whenever he reaches a certain amount of profit, he just takes out the, mon the money from it because um, he's, he's already made his profit. He's using the profits from that to fund his bigger account, right? So he's using the profits from a, a more risky $1,000 that he doesn't care about to fund <clears> his, his bigger 400 yeah. account, right? And then I was starting to, I was starting to think about, okay, well, what if we use a $2,000 account, right? And we size it 3% and yeah, there we go. And, and you know, at 400 trades, you're already halfway mark um, of the same amount of equity as the other one. And after, after 600 trades. So, so I, I actually test, tested this on one of our strategies and it is funny because I, I, I got so confused because I first, I used, so I used 20,000, 1% risk and it got to 30K in five years. And then I used 2,000, 3% risk, and it was at 30K too. I didn't know if I had put the wrong settings because it was the same, it was almost the same of values. And, but yeah, I looked at the chart. It's just a steeper chart. And guess what was, so the first one had a 12, uh, a 4% drawdown and the 2K account had a 12% drawdown, which I was like, I can manage a 12% drawdown on money that is all just profit. Like it's not money that, yeah, and this is live. And this is on backtested data, but I tried it on live data too. It's, it's essentially the same thing, same um, improvement. So what I'm going to do, so what we can do now is we can take a $2,000 account. We can get it up to about, you know, 20 to 30K, right? In, in less than a year. And we can take we can take the profits from that and just refeed our other account and bring the account back to 2000 so that it doesn't affect our overall um, equity. Because as you can see, at some point, the money overtakes how much money you have in your equity. And then what it happens is that now it's drawing down your entire quote unquote portfolio, your yourself, your network, your network. Um, so at some point you do have to stop it. You can't keep letting it go wild because it's going to affect your network. Um, but I guess realistically, you only started with 2000, 2000. Who, who cares if you're down 500 K from the top, if you're already up um, a certain amount, but, so but yeah, that, that was pretty much it. <laughs> Here's the difficulty with that, though, is when you map this out using computer programs and all of that, it's very objective. 
and you don't really have to worry about it in the individual trades that you're taking. But when you're a discretionary trader and you're not using algos and you're relying on just your own ability each trade, there's so much subjectivity that it makes it hard. Yeah, to I don't know if I could. I, I didn't sizing. The reason why I did this in computers, I don't think a human should do this. There's, mm. So remember what I said, you are the equity curve. So if you're not trading the way you want to trade, your, your, your strategy might change automatically. And if your equity is now affecting how you trade, you are not the same trader I wanted to invest in initially. So... Mm -hmm. I need the input you. values are always changing. <laughs> yeah, I, so I need yeah. you to. <laughs> I need you to stay the same. Yeah, and just be your, your normal equity. But for good luck for this, yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> like every day you wake up, your the input variables are slightly different. Yeah, yeah. slightly different. But I need you to be relatively the same. I don't want you to be like, oh my god, we're down twenty percent on the entire account. What am I going to do? No, I need you to think that this is normal but like that's that's why i said i wouldn't use this i wouldn't use a human i think like the, the reason why i think of this right it's also i'm thinking like fund wise right let's say fund i wanted to start a fund right if i if someone came in with very like i'm doing a fund for like really really um really really uh small small like people with who don't have that much money and i'll give them access to all of the strategy right with 2k just 2k but i will run and you, you, they, it runs like they don't care about the money, and it just runs on that. Once they reach a certain profitable point, like fourteen to 10, 10 to twenty k, I will take like you know, you know, like forty to sixty percent of that, and leave them whatever else is left to actually trade by themselves. But the reason why I'll do that is because now I'm not risking my money, and it's it's just money that they want to, they don't even care about. Now I could do it with my money, but then I don't really have to do it as frequently. Like, because the, the idea is that once after a certain amount of time, you always have to bring the account back down because if you keep, if you let it go wild, you, you will, um, you will, it will start to affect your net worth. Yeah. It seems like the, the, the bots at one point will pull off a mad money, mad, mad ass money move. Yeah, exactly. Just give it all back. So, but I mean, that's any, that could happen to anybody. Um, it's, it's happening to someone. So. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that was that was why. So so next in the next couple of weeks, what we're, I'm working on it right now is that I'm actually using my own account, and I, what I'm doing is I'm just creating two um, simulations that I got. So like my normal strategies are going to be running with this much money. The two thousand dollar account is going to be running with this much money. When they trade on the same account, they're going to be taking the same amount, the risk as equivalent to what each one of them do, and so you will see the equity actually. Um, show up in my account with both of them combined, but I can also isolate them in the simulation to see how each one of them is doing. So I can keep track of the thirty, the the thirty to sixty thousand dollar account here, and I can keep track of the two thousand dollar account, or you know one to two thousand dollar account here. And if I want to, and you know I don't, we don't care about the money. It's, it's two grand. It's not going to affect anything. I've already made that and much. So once we double it up, the idea is that you start taking profits from it. So once we get to four k. We'll start taking profits from it, but treat it like it's a 4K account. And at that point, it's just going to keep playing with that money. Like even if it draws out, like, because remember, I'm providing the margin for it so that it can take strategies on, it can take trades on all of these large caps. So it can, you know, trade Apple or whatever. Like it's just, it's just a smaller account. But remember, it's going to be moving differently underlying all of the, um, the combined equity. Like the, my normal one is going to be moving normally, 
And then that one is going to be doing a little bit erratic. When do I stop it? When I see that this one is affecting our portfolio too much. When the $2,000 account is affecting the portfolio too much, I just like, all right, need to take out the money, bring it back down. This is a really, really interesting way of growing an, a small account. Um, curious are your thoughts on it though, because there, there's definitely risk associated with it. But I think it's, I kind of have been thinking it through and I thought, I, th I think it's actually worth at least attempting. Yeah, definitely try it. I mean, uh, Ross always does the small account challenges. So this is oh, yeah. the I'll go version yeah. of that. And yeah. uh, when he does the small account challenges, he uses a crap ton of leverage. Um, so he can grow a $500 into yeah. $50,000 in like a month. I think it was the five person was to a million, right? That was the, yeah, the that was, yeah, that was his original like challenge. Yeah. I remember on the first trade, he took a 250K, $250. He made $250 profit. And he, I think at that point, he probably was risking about, you know, 150 to 200. That's like almost 20% of the account of the risk on the first trade. That's pretty, pretty crazy if you really think about it. But yeah, maybe that's pretty, pretty ballsy. But he can do it with his level of expertise in the right market. Probably right now in the summer would be a little tricky because if you have those, you know, three red trades in a row. You can almost blow the blow the account. Yeah, uh, just by but, kind of luck of the draw. Yeah, it is totally luck of the draw, but it's it's definitely possible. So I, I think with an AI, it'd be kind of cool to, or not an AI, but basically an algo uh, bot would do like three or four different small account challenges and see how fast you can grow them. And that just, is true. And I, put, I was put the risk of, at like twenty or something. Yeah, just at twenty. And I was thinking of making this for content down the road because obviously I, I need to get back to making content at some point. Um, yeah, and I I've never really known how to make content um for trading in a good way um but i think this would be a good way where i don't have to actually take the trades and people will still tune in to see um how i change a two thousand dollar account to a forty thousand dollar account and yeah, it'd be super interesting and fun. yeah i'm actually looking forward to hear the follow-up on that one uh yeah we're working i'm working on the code right now i have to talk to my brother about some things but it should be it should be done by the beginning of next week so we'll start running that I'm also working on this new high frequency strategy. We we added our eighth strategy, which improved our equity curve like by a lot. And on live data, tested on live data from the beginning of the year, it improved everything. So now it's, it's, it seems like we're just getting to the point slowly but surely where it's like essentially just a straight, straighter, straighter equity curve. Um, but, you know, I, I am curious though, because Danny said that, you know, you're taking a bunch of your money out at the end of this year um, from your account. Are you just gonna? I what are you? Are you gonna take more excessive risk with the money you leave after that, or um, play it the same? I'd like to. Yeah, I'd like to, but it depends on what we see in the market. Um, like mentally, it might be helpful to have done that and just to have that full understanding of like this is pure profit and I should be taking the risk with it. Um. It totally depends. It, it really just depends on like the quality of the moves that we're seeing. But I think yeah. that that's helpful. Like, you know, you, you have success over time and I don't think it's going to be a massive change from what I'm doing right now at all. But it just it's just seeing success over time that gives you the confidence to take more mm -hmm. size as you see better, as you see a good quality setup that you think is good. And going back to like bet sizing is um, you know, last time I hit a move that looked like this, I was doing 3,000, 3,500 shares. Maybe this time I should do like 4,500, 5,000, 6,000 shares. 
Um, well, yeah, I think it's. I think it goes back to the idea that we talked about, and I don't know if it was the first time I was here, but the that you need to at different goals or different points of your equity, you need to say when my percentage of risk per trade increases versus decreases, like over a certain like like you can have like right now you might use two thousand shares to eight thousand shares. Well, when you go to saying okay. I need to start using and whatever percentage of your equity that is, I don't know what range that would be, but you can say start saying, okay, I need to start using four thousand to twelve thousand or whatever, because because at that point you can now start to say, okay, I know for a fact that I've switched my mindset. You know, I think it's very easy as discretionary traders to just want to be as discretional as possible, but some objectivity of like, and you can just use your data actually. I could just pull up your data and say, okay, how much shares do you do you use on a on a regular basis per trade? And I can say, okay. Danny, I know this is how much you use right now. Um, this is how much you used to use before. You see how you're betting more, even if your equ equity, like your equity was 40 grand and you were using about, uh, you were risking about 20, um, you were risking about 5% per trade before. Why is it now that you're at 200 grand, you're risking um, only 1% of your trade? Did you make that decision, 1% uh, of your equity? Did you make that decision um, actively because you were like, I'm fine with this much money? Or do you want to go back to that 3% and really keep the exponential bet sizing right. as consistent as possible? Like kind of yeah. doing... There's, there's definitely a ceiling at one point with these small caps, right? Like I think moving... Well, that's... Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what it, another part of it is that do you just hit your ceiling where you can't even use your 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 biggest size anymore? Well, yeah, that's, that's part yeah. of it. I know that as I start to get into bigger positions, I'm going to have to somewhat adjust my strategy because I'm not going to be able to hit buy market for 8,000 shares and expect to get a decent fill. I'm going to have to hit buy market 3,000 or 4,000 shares twice and hope that it gets me in at the right spot. And it's probably going to affect yeah. my hold time. I'm going to have to be just uh, observing and, and trying to be doing that on the best quality trades that I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm forced to be holding this longer because I have to take multiple orders on it do i think that it has the potential to be continuing right. to go up in two or three minutes rather than my time frame right now is very quick mm -hmm. where if i take just my one order all i really have to be thinking about is the next one or two minutes um but as i'm taking eight twelve thousand shares or something like that the price range and volatility and volume is going to have to support being able to get out of that position for a yeah. profit. So, yeah, like I deal with that too. Just and depends. When we're going to do, I mean, we're we're going to start sizing up by the beginning of next year, like up to you know, I don't know what shares like risking. We're risking the same account because I'm I'm increasing my account soon. Um, well, wait, like, hold up, we gotta we gotta wrap up soon here, so. Oh, okay. That's a that's a big <laughs> second topic here, increasing the account size. Uh, <laughs> but how about next pod? You could uh, share us about if you get it. That'd be really <laughs> cool. The increasing of the small accounts. Get some charts for that. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't I don't know what. Um, I don't know if we, it's not going to be live until next week. But <laughs> I, uh, well, there's no rush. Example, no rush. I can show you an example of what it looks like on the two thousand account on the live trade we've already taken like we the live data we've already um ran it through and it should be it should be around um 200 increase i'm assuming um, yeah it's definitely gonna be interesting to watch those those different small account challenges and that 
algo algo space <laughs> mm-hmm. uh is there is there anything you guys want to wrap up with or mention before we wrap up here the only thing for me is that <clears throat> august um continues to be i'm only allowed to make money a on Tuesday. tuesdays what day is it <laughs> is it's this tuesday the is it a... <laughs> well, hold on look at this so I'm only allowed to make money on Tuesdays, but I'm making a lot of money on Tuesday only. <laughs> um, Dang, there we go. And I wore the right shirt for today. This is my favorite shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's that's it for me. <laughs> I love that shirt. I actually, I was looking at that shirt earlier and I was like, I know this one. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's it for me. It. We'll see what happens on ICCT when it eventually resumes, what the news is and whatever happens. Uh, T1 Halt isn't the end of the world. Sometimes you do see them resume decently and then people think that T1 Halt means bad. So yeah. you get short stuck in it and we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll see. I was actually thinking today if I should take this week off, but I think I'm going to stick around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think patience right now is key. Yes. Uh, try not to dig yourself in a deep hole and and, and then get green. I, I kind of dug myself in a hole today and then I kind of got back to break even, but it's like exhausting. Oh, so, unless you're Toby. I mean, I've yeah. seen him dig himself out of some holes. Still exhausting though. <laughs> Dude, Toby's yeah, the not, champ It's not that. fun. It doesn't feel good still. <laughs> no, no, it's, it is the worst. So right now it's just so easy to dig a hole. So I don't know, be patient as possible. Also, it's a three-day weekend coming up Monday. It's Labor Day. Markets are mm. closed. Often I notice that the day leading up to a three-day weekend is extra low momentum and volume. Might be, so yeah. Friday, be careful. You never know. It could be the most volume we've ever seen, but I do notice a trend. So I do tend to take those days off yeah. myself because, you know, people are like, oh, Labor Day weekend, we're flying to grandma. We're leaving on Friday, blah, blah, blah. I think you times that um, by all the traders in the world, even if it's just 10% of traders doing it, it just, you know, you feel that in the market. So be mindful of that, I would say, uh, going into yeah. the end of this week. And, Agreed. Yeah, and hopefully after Labor Day weekend, we finally get some like consistent big momentum again. And you know, it's back to school and uh we'll see. <laughs> End of that's, summer. Yeah, that's I sweet. actually hope I hope so too. I mean, August for us has just been as dry as probably with you guys. I mean, oh. it's just been a straight line. And hopefully after I, I'm hoping October or September is gonna be like a big, big month. Yeah. Well, everybody is thinking that, and <laughs> maybe it's gonna be a self-fulfilling per uh prophecy where everybody expects august to be slow we have labor day after that you're in the fall and you're gonna have people coming back from vacation people understanding that august is typically slow but it starts to heat back up in september so we'll see what happens yeah i'm excited i'm excited um all right guys nice chat a lot of new topics here or uh different take on topics we've had several times so it was nice yeah. See you guys then next week. Good luck, everyone. Sounds good. See you guys later.